Hello and welcome to the Hard to Handle Sports Podcast. This is episode number 27. My name is Ismael San Juan. Thank you so much for being here. Today we're going to touch on Super Wildcard Weekend. We had six great games over this weekend. Colts starting us off against the Bills. Phillip Rivers, if that was your last game, shout out to you, my guy. Had a great career. I appreciate your time in the NFL. Lamar Jackson gets the monkey off his back, gets his first playoff win. Taylor Heineke puts on the show versus Brady. Also, the Browns take care of the Steelers. The Rams take care of the Seahawks. Some great games that we saw over this weekend. And to start us off this week, Doug Peterson is fired as the Philadelphia Eagles head coach. This is episode 27. Let's get started. On Monday, we find out that Doug Peterson is no longer the head coach for the Philadelphia Eagles. It came as a shock to me. Even with everything going on, with their QB situation, with that horrible contract that Carson Wentz have, Jalen Hurts coming on, the, the tanking display on Sunday Night Football, it really comes as a surprise to me. Doug Peterson is the head coach that brought them their first and only Super Bowl in their whole franchise history, 2018, over the Patriots Great, great game. It made Doug Peterson a hero. It made Nick Foles a hero. It made Frank Wright a hero. A lot of it made a lot of Philadelphia players still on that roster, immortals in the eyes of the Philadelphia Eagles fans. And just two years later, after that Super Bowl win, uh, Doug Peterson is gone. Frank Wright is gone. Carson went is on his way out. Just crazy, crazy stuff. It's, it's, it, go, it just goes to show you how quickly things can change in the in the NFL, in sports in general. One day you're on top of the world, feeling like this feeling's never gonna end. Your championship window is wide open. Uh, you could potentially win two or three. Uh, young quarterback, good head coach, the understudy of Andy Reid. Everything seems to go be going the right way, and then everything falls apart and you got to start over. I'm curious to see who the Eagles sign as their head coach. I'm curious to see who's their quarterback going forward. Are they going to blow the team up? Is who's going to remain on that roster from the Super Bowl winning championship team? Uh this is all very interesting to me. Uh, like I said, I was surprised that this happened even with Doug Peterson tanking on Sunday night football pulling Jalen Hurts when the game was still to be won. I thought that he had job security. He had won the Super Bowl not too long ago, and uh, I thought the management was behind it. I thought they had told Peterson to uh, to lose the game on purpose so that they could have a better draft position. And probably since there's so much money tied to Carson Wentz, they probably didn't want Jalen Hurts to go out and win that game in front of a national audience. That's that's where I was heading. That's where I was thinking. I didn't I didn't like the decision, but I thought Peterson had job security. And now he is gone. I think uh, it didn't help that a lot of players spoke out against uh, Doug Peterson and his decision that he made. Uh, there was conflicting stories coming from everywhere. I believe Kelsey said that they had talked about it throughout the week. But then Sanders went on some radio show and said that he, w- he didn't agree with it, that the players didn't agree with it. There was just too much talk, too much chatter coming out of the Philadelphia locker room. It just felt like Doug Peterson lost the locker room once he did that. And I think Doug Peterson was kind of over the job, if I do say so myself. Now, after he's been fired, uh, there's media, uh, there's people coming out with reports saying that Doug Peterson, it kind of seems like with the quotes he said that he feels relieved 
that he kind of it just seems that maybe this job had become too much for him. I know Philly has very very uh passionate to uh fans. Passionate is a nice way to say it. They could be rough. They could get to you. They could get under your skin. So maybe Doug Peterson just had enough. I don't know how old he is. So I'm pretty sure he he will be looking for another coaching job. And if not, then he won his Super Bowl. He's a hero in Philadelphia. Once all of this settles down and people start to remember Peterson for his time in Philadelphia, I think they'll look back and just remember that he he's the one that brought them the Super Bowl. He's the one that uh, gave Philadelphia their first championship in a long, 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 long time. But there is there is some people out there saying that the real the real genius behind their Super Bowl run was Frank Wright. Uh, they're saying he was the one that ran that offense. He's the one that was making those gutsy fourth fourth uh, fourth down decisions, going for it on two points. He, and if you see the Colts play, he has brought a lot of that mentality um, with him to the Colts, going for it on fourth down, going for two points. Whether it's always the right call, that, uh, you know, everybody can make their own assessments and be the judge of that. But there is people that say that Frank Wright was the man, the main man behind uh, the, the Eagles winning that Super Bowl. And there's people talking about maybe Peterson goes to the Colts with uh, Carson Wentz and they all reunite with the Colts and make another run next year. I don't know. I think Peterson, with the pedigree that he has, he won't go. He won't go back to being offensive coordinator or any type of coordinator. He, I think he's still head coaching material and some team. Uh, we'll sign him. They're talking about maybe the Jets will get him. I don't know. I still, I still, I still somewhat believe in Peterson. I don't think it was all his fault in Philadelphia. There was a lot of injuries. That line wasn't holding up. Carson Wentz had a re- regression. So we're, we'll see where he ends up. But still, for me, it's shocking news that the Eagles let go of Peterson. Like I said, he just won them the Super Bowl in 2018. Three years later, now in 2021, he is gone. Before the three-year mark of that Super Bowl win. He's gone. Just goes to show how quickly things change in the NFL. The first game of wild card, super wild card weekend, Colts versus Bills. Bills beat the Colts 24 to 27 is the final score. Uh, it was a great game. Josh Allen, my man, what a, what a show, what a performance. He put that team on his back. The Buffalo Bills seem to be overly reliant on Josh Allen. But Josh Allen seems to have big enough shoulders to put all the weight of that team behind him. He scored two two touchdowns through the air, one, another one uh, running. He was just dominant. Uh, they unleashed him. Over the season, they hadn't really uh, ran Josh Allen as much. Um, I guess they were taking care of his body, trying to make, it, make him survive the whole season plus the postseason. But he had a lot of design runs, and he was finishing those runs. He was putting his shoulder down. He was trucking people. It, it just—it's amazing to me seeing Josh Allen play week in and week out, and just having no no regards for his body, just throwing it everywhere, throwing his weight around, punishing people. He looks like a running back sometimes. The way he finishes runs, really impressive stuff by Josh Allen. But we had a crazy, crazy finish in that game. Uh, Colts are down three. They're trying to drive. Philip Rivers has like no timeouts. They're, they're going down the field, and I believe it's number 14, Pascal. He catches the ball. He tries to get up. They punch it. They rule it uh, down by contact, and it goes to review. And the, re- the replay showed that he he was already up before he got touched. So I thought they were going to flip it. They were going to make it a fumble. The game was going to be over. 
And to everyone's surprise, I was on Twitter at the time awaiting the result. And everybody was saying, that's a fumble, that's a fumble game. And then the referee comes back into the field and says that the call stands. Uh, the player was touched down. That was crazy. That would have been a whole other situation. I know all of Bill's Mafia, if you're listening to this, I know you guys were going to go crazy. If you guys would have lost that game, if that if that call would have cost you the game, that would have, oh, whew, I, I don't even want to... I don't even want to imagine the, the the cry, the outcry after that game, uh, waiting so many years to get a playoff win and it gets snatched away from you because of a replay review that doesn't go your way, that probably should have gone your way. But other than that, the Bills are very reliant on Josh Allen. Like I said, he had a monster, monster game. He was their leading rusher. He was their leading thrower, obviously. And uh, I think that the Bills better find a running game before they play the Ravens. They better be balanced. They better be able to sustain drives because the Ravens are coming, man. The Ravens are hot. They're they're one of the hottest teams in the NFL right now. Lamar Jackson got that monkey off his back, and they're coming. So this is going to be a very good game. Uh, but Allen and Diggs, uh, they keep performing. They have Al, um, Josh Allen to Stephon Diggs, another 100-yard game for digs that connection just seems to get better and better as the season goes on it's like fine wine uh that digs trade just keeps looking better and better shout out to the bills one more time for investing in their young quarterback and going out to get a wide receiver and for the Colts, they got to look themselves in the mirror and for all of the for all the praise i'm giving josh allen and digs and the bills the Colts had a chance to win this game the the Colts shot themselves in the foot. They had too many mistakes to win this game. If they would have played a clean game, I believe the Colts would have won. This was a really good matchup. It was it was a great matchup. I enjoyed this game. It kicked off the weekend for football. But some of the Colts' mistakes were going for it on fourth and goal. They didn't get anything. I didn't like the third down call. I didn't like the fourth down call. The third down call to run like a pitch. They have one of the best lines. Just give it to your running back. Use that massive O-line that you have to punch it into the end zone. I didn't like the toss, the crack toss. They had a lot of drop passes. Phillip Rivers had a pretty good game. He he made no big mistakes. He was he looked good. He was making good throws. It looked like he had touch on his on his throws. He missed like a couple of throws, but for the most part, he was on and his receivers let him down. They had a lot of drop passes or key drop passes. Then they missed that field goal. The rookie, he's been pretty good throughout the whole season. Clanks it off the wood post, and it doesn't go in. They ended up losing by three points. Those three points would have sent it to overtime. Not getting points when you're down to goal with the when you're fourth and goal. Instead of getting the field goal, you go for it on fourth down. Those points left on the board. Uh, also, Frank Wright challenged the fumble that it was pretty evident that he was down by contact, so he cost him a, he cost him a, few, um, a timeout, and they needed that timeout on that last drive. They had no timeouts. The time was running out. That timeout could have been used at that moment. So too many mistakes for the for the Colts, and they were still in it. And Rivers Rivers uh, kept slinging it. And I always thought the Bills were going to run away with it when they got like a two touchdown, two touchdown lead. But to the Colts' credit, to Phillip Rivers' credit, they made it a game. They never gave up. And Rivers played good as an ex Charger fan. Uh, he was my quarterback for a while. Um, and I know that a lot of those playoff losses that he had, a lot of those bad moments that he had were not his fault. So I like Rivers as a quarterback. And if this is it, if this is his career, he had a great career. Shout out to Phillip Rivers. 
uh, I really enjoyed your time in the NFL. And if it's not, if he runs it back one more year, then I think the Colts have a chance next year. If they go out and get a number one wide receiver, maybe Allen Robinson, and you know, keep building that offensive line, that defense should get better. They're very young. Then they'll have a chance next year. And for the Bills, uh, you got the Ravens coming up. It's going to be a great game. Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson, MVP of last year, MVP candidate this year. It's going to be a great matchup. All these AFC wildcard matchups were good, but this divisional round should be even better. I'm very excited to see how far the Bills could, could go, how far the Ravens could go, and then who wins, who gets to face the Chiefs or the Browns. It's going to be great. Bills versus Colts. What a great way to start Super Wild Card Weekend. The next game, Rams versus Seahawks. The Rams took care of the Seahawks 20-30 to 30 in Seattle. Uh, I think the Seattle offense, defense dearly missed their fans. The 12th man was not present and it showed, I think the Seahawks lacked energy. They've been lacking energy, like the, the few, the last three or four games of the regular season. Their offense came in sputtering into the playoffs. The Rams came in sputtering as a whole team, too. So I was eager to see how this was going to play out. But the Rams defense is elite. The Rams defense took care of the Seahawks offense. Russell Wilson had one of his worst games that I've ever seen. He was under duress most of the time, but he just could not get anything going. Russell Wilson for the game, 11 out of 27, 174 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Uh, just It's really hard to see Russell Wilson throw under 50% completion. He's usually very accurate. And 11 for 27, that's just atrocious. Uh, he could not get anything going the whole weekend. And for the Rams, uh, Goff was hurt to start the game. He could not, his thumb was hurt. He could not start the game. And their quarterback, John Wolford, got hurt at the beginning of the game. And Jared Goff had to come in. He didn't have an exceptional game by any means. But he didn't make key mistakes, which have been killing him the whole season. Uh, and most of the losses is because Goff throws an interception, fumbles the ball. And he played a clean game. He let his defense do the work. They had a pick six that really changed the game. And Cam Akers put that offense on his back, 176 total yards, 131 yards rushing, 45 yards receiving, the most by a Rams rookie in their playoffs. And the Rams, they're scary, man. If Goff could play clean games, if he doesn't make mistakes that just cripple his defense, that defense is a Super Bowl defense. That defense is elite. Uh, Aaron Donald got hurt, but they're saying that he will play next week against the Packers. So that's good if you're a Rams fan, Aaron Donald. I think he he tore some cartilage in his ribs, something along those lines. He missed a lot of the second half on Saturday versus the Seahawks. But he should be back versus the Packers. I don't know how efficient he's going to be. Uh, maybe they'll, they'll target those ribs and see test him out real quick. But I think he should play, and he should have an impact. And for the Rams to beat the Packers, I really think they have a chance. They can run the ball. They can control the clock. If, if Goff doesn't, you know make turnovers, make a lot of turnovers, lose them the game. They'll be right in there. For the Seahawks, you can kind of see this coming, the way the offense finished the season. Uh, Russell Wilson did not finish strong. He was an MVP candidate at the beginning of the season, and he did not look like an MVP candidate. The defense kind of carried them the second half of the season, and they just couldn't turn it on versus the Rams. It was the third time they played this week, I mean this season, 
divisional games are always tough. Maybe if they would have picked a team that doesn't know them as well, the Seahawks could have won. But they lose, and now you gotta you gotta see where the Seahawks move forward. They're like what seven years removed from their Super Bowl win. They haven't really gotten too close, other than losing to the Patriots the following year. Uh, how how much more uh, can the Seahawks keep improving? It seems like they're there. They're kind of there, but they're not really there. Like if that makes any sense, every year I kind of pick the Seahawks to make the Super Bowl. Because uh, I think they're going to be there. I think they have a really elite roster. And Russell Wilson have a lot of faith in Russell Wilson. But, I mean, the years are going on. And he's not getting back to the Super Bowl. So w- what do the Seahawks need to make it back to the Super Bowl? That's probably the question of the day. Uh, what what are the Seahawks missing? Is it uh, cornerbacks? Uh, offensive line help? I know they've needed that for a while. Uh, what is it? I think uh, a lot of people are talking about uh, their offensive coordinator. Uh uh, what's I, I don't know his name, but the offensive coordinator I can't pronounce it. Uh, Marty, not not Marty. Marty's son, uh, Schottenheimer. They're saying that his offense is kind of outdated. They don't like it. They don't like the way he run, runs the offense. So is that it? Do they just need a new offensive coordinator? I don't know. But the Rams play the Packers next. The Seahawks are going home. Uh, that was the second game of Saturday, uh, Super Saturday, Super Wild Card weekend, and the third game, Buccaneers versus Washington. The Buccaneers beat Washington football team 31 to 23. The third game of Saturday, Super Saturday, wildcard weekend. Tyler Heineke, what a performance. He looked great out there. Uh, he was put into action because Alex Smith could not go. Uh, Dwayne Haskins could not go. He got released. So now it's up to Taylor Heineke to put on the show, to put the team on his back. Washington football team that came in at 7 and 9, playing the Buccaneers who were 11 and 5. And Taylor Heineke, he was running. He was dropping dimes. He looked like the moment wasn't too big for him. That was I was really excited to see if he could beat the Buccaneers. That would have been crazy. Uh, that would have broke the internet. Little Tyler Heineke, who hadn't really played. I think he had two starts before this game, his whole career. And he put on a show, man. He was doing it all. He got hurt. He came back. He came back, and he was still dropping dimes. It was just a really good game. I think a lot of people expected this game to not be close. Or if it was close, it was be- it was going to be because the Washington defense was going to, you know, put points on the board, cost turnovers, maybe a pick six, maybe a fumble rec- uh, return for a touchdown. Maybe a special teams gets some good returns. But no, for the most part, defense played. Uh, they didn't play as good as, as most people predicted. A lot of people thought they were going to show up. They were going to sack Brady. They were going to get to him. They are going to rattle him. He had a clean pocket most of the game. Um, those bookend pass rushers that they have weren't really getting to him. And Tyler Heineke was just taking taking Washington down the field, going blow for blow with Brady. So it was a great game. I really enjoyed it. Uh, Washington is now out. Um, they got to really assess their QB situation. Do they want to keep going with Alex Smith? Uh, Dwayne Haskins' era is gone. He got cut. So they don't really have a young quarterback to groom. Is Tyler Heineke the answer? He's 27 years old. Um, I don't think so. I think this was just a really good game by him. Uh, and you got to give him credit for showing up. Uh, probably didn't get that many first-team reps the whole season. Being, being put in this situation and shining and balling out, that deserves a lot of praise. I tip my hat to Taylor Heineke. But is he the quarterback for the Washington football team going forward? He might be a stopgap stop gap quarterback but I think they should really look at all these quarterbacks that are going to come into the market maybe Matthew Stafford 
maybe draft a young quarterback. I don't think you could just go into next season with Tyler Haneke as your only quarterback and maybe Alex Smith or maybe Alex Smith retires and he's the only QB in that QB room as of now. But I believe he is going to be a free agent. If anything, Tyler Haneke made himself a little bit of money or a good amount of money. He's going to stick in the NFL now. People are going to have that in their memory. He's at least going to be a backup for a long, long time. Just because you could tell that he, you could kind of reference this game, and that that would be a reference when you think, oh, if I need a backup quarterback that could win us a game, if my QB can't finish the game, you'll think of Taylor Haneke, and you'll be like, all right, I'm gonna sign this guy. So he made himself money regardless, whether it's a starter, I doubt it, but he definitely has a backup, a long backup career too. He extended his backup career for years because of this game. So shout out to Tyler Haneke. What a performance for the Bucks! Brady looked good. He was connecting with his weapons. He was connecting with Evans. He was connecting with Godwin. He was connecting with uh, uh, Brown. So he looked good. Fournette was running good. Uh, that, that looked like a good signing because uh, the starting running back was out. Fournette almost had 100 yards rushing. He looked strong. He was finishing his runs with a lot of tenacity. So shout out. For the Bucks management, for bringing Fournette, for bringing Brown. They were both con- contributors in their first playoff game. Brady looked good. A little concerned about the Bucks defense, letting, letting Tyler Haneke uh, bury them. I mean, burn them over and over again. He looked. They made Tyler Haneke look like a franchise quarterback. So I'm a little concerned with the Buccaneers defense, seeing as they play uh, Breeze next. So that's going to be another great matchup. Saints versus Buccaneers for the ter- third time this season. Breeze versus Brady, two quarterbacks over the age of 40. I'm very excited to see how that plays out. Will the Saints be able to beat the Buccaneers three times in one season? That has never happened in Brady's career. Or is Brady going to get his revenge, get the last laugh, and eliminate the Saints? I'm very excited to see that. Uh, Buccaneers defense has to step it up. They can't play as loose as they played this weekend. But I'm very excited. And let me know, who do you think is going to win? Battle of the quarterbacks, 40 years and over for the third time. Do you guys have the Buccaneers? Do you guys have the Saints? And give Tyler Haneke a shout-out because he played amazing. I really enjoyed watching him. And the fourth game, the first we, the first game of Sunday was the Ravens versus Titans on Sunday morning. Lamar Jackson finally gets that monkey off his back. He gets his first playoff win. You can kill the narrative. Lamar Jackson can get it done in the playoffs. I'm not going to lie. At the beginning of the game, when he was struggling, when he threw that ugly, ugly interception, that thought hit my head again. I was like, is is this going to happen again? The Titans went up 10-0 very quick. Lamar Jackson had that interception, and I was like, oh, no, here we go again. Lamar Jackson is not going to show up in the playoffs. I could already tell all the hate he's going to get. People are just going to bury this man even more if he doesn't get it done. And I was very happy to see him turn it around and have a great game. He finished with 179 yards passing, another 136 rushing. He was basically the Ravens offense. He ignited them with that 49-yard run uh, before the half or when they were still down. Tied up the game 10-10. Lamar Jackson, amazing run. You could just the acceleration he had on that run. It was just a, a thing to see. It was beautiful. 
I'm very happy for Lamar Jackson. I thought the hate that he got was unwarranted. I, I've seen him improve from his rookie year to now. Um, the Chargers, they played them the first his first um, postseason run when he was rookie. That was a very talented team, very uh, stacked team. 13-3, and three, I believe, 12-4, I believe. They were one of the better uh, wildcard teams in recent history, so that was a tough ask. He didn't really have weapons. It was just a rush running team. Last year, the Titans were going berserk at the time. Derrick Henry was going crazy. They couldn't stop him. And now this year, they got their revenge. They held Derrick Henry almost the whole game. He could get nothing going in the run game. That It was night and day comparison from the Ravens last year to the Ravens this year. Last year, the Ravens got destroyed. Uh, I remember Derrick Henry was... Stiff farming everybody had a uh, Thomas looking like a mediocre safety spun him around. It was just crazy, crazy stuff. Last year they could not stop Derrick Henry to to save their lives, but this year Derrick Henry had 18 rushes for 40 yards. Um, just completely took care of the offense of the line of scrimmage on offense and on defense. Ravens dominated the game. Uh, Lamar Jackson had more passing yards. Than the Titans' offense, he had more rushing yards than the Titans' offense. Honestly, I'm surprised the score was this this close. The Titans could not really get anything going after the first quarter when they took that 10-0 lead. And after that, it was all Ravens. Titans had a chance at the end. They had like a fourth and two that uh, Brable decided to punt. A lot of people are criticizing him for that, but the Titans' offense had nothing going the whole game so I don't blame him for trying to punt like that offense was not showing any signs of life so fourth and two it's a long two Derrick Henry had it and ran the ball particularly well the whole game so I really don't blame him for uh for punting in that situation it was uh like I said the offense had nothing going on and then Tannehill had a chance to bring him back down seven points he throws an interception his wide receiver falls down what can you do end of game Peter's Peters gets the, the interception, and after that, the Ravens defense flocks the Titans logo and starts stomping on it, starts stomping on it. They say that it wasn't disrespect, that it was a sign of unity. But, I mean, we could call it disrespect, we could call it, it's just part of sports. Uh, they talk about the Titans were being disrespectful to the Ravens when they played in the regular season. They were doing some pregame stuff in their logo, so this was just kind of like payback. I have no issue with it. It's fine for me. Uh... Ravens and Titans did play the year before, so there's probably a lot of animosity. A lot of the same players that played last year that got eliminated. Titans probably told them, like, you know, goodbye, go home. Ravens had the MVP, had a crazy season last year, so I'm sure that loss really hurt them. And the Titans, to go to their house this year and eliminate them, I think that feels better. That feels like You've gone full circle, and the Ravens are flying high right now. They finished the season, I believe, on a five-game win streak. They take down the Titans. They have the Bills next. That's going to be a great game. Who do you guys have, Ravens or Bills? That's going to be a great game. I'm very excited to see two quarterbacks that could do it with their arms and running, Josh Allen versus Lamar Jackson. That's probably the best. I mean, there's a lot of great QB matchups this, this weekend. There's so many good QBs left, so... I'm very excited for the divisional round. But Ravens versus Titans, it was a good game. Oh, I got to give a shout-out to the ESPN uh, telecast. They had the regular telecast on ABC and on ESPN. But if you went to ESPN Plus or, like, ESPN2, 
and stuff like that. They had the supercast where they had like the one camera showing the game and then they had like two or two cameras with I believe uh, Rex Ryan and they had um, Teddy Bruschi and they had some other analysts and they were breaking down Keyshawn Johnson I believe and I forgot who else was there but they were breaking down like every play and it was just really nice to see like Teddy Bruschi break down the defense Keyshawn Johnson talk about the offense Rex Ryan give like the defensive breakdowns too I thought that was really cool I was I was watching like the the main telecast and I was also flipping over to uh to the other ESPN megacast I believe they call it just to hear you know the live reactions and the live breakdowns of the of the of the plays I thought that was really cool I don't know if I believe ESPN has a game this weekend for the divisional round so I, I believe they're gonna have that megacast for that game I don't know who, what game ESPN has this weekend but you guys have a chance definitely give the megacast a chance or a shot or just check it out because I think uh that was really that was really cool. So shout out to ESPN for having that mega cast going. The Bears and the Saints. The Saints beat the Bears twenty one to nine. If I do say so myself, this was the least entertaining game of all the weekend. Mostly because after the Bears went down, I never really thought that they could come back and score. Tell you, uh, what's his name? Trubisky couldn't get the offense going. Uh, Montgomery was getting nothing on the ground. He had 12 rushes for 31 yards. It just looked like once once the once the Saints got their second touchdown, once they took that bigger lead, that the Bears just had nothing in them to bring it back. And I think the game turned when Wims dropped that pass off the flea flicker, off that trick play that they had. Trubisky, to his credit, he he had a nice throw. Put it right on the money. The defender had fallen down. He had no chance to contest that throw. Wims is wide open in the end zone, and he drops it. And at that point, you're kind of thinking, yeah, this is it. Like, they needed that. The score was 7-0. Saints were up 7-0. I believe it was the first quarter. And, you know, you know the even though the Bears had been better to end the season, you knew of the Bears' struggles. You knew of their offensive struggles. And you were like, okay, they can't afford to be leaving points on the board like that. They just can't. And they cost them. They scored nine points the whole season, the whole game. And they scored a touchdown at the, the literally the last play of the game. So they scored three points the whole game. And they left seven on the board right there. Wims. Drops it easy, easy pass. I was, I jumped out of my seat. I was like, "There's no way he dropped that in the playoffs in this moment." And f- to, I gotta give the Bears some credit because their defense actually held the Saints' offense in check for a while. I, I believe the score at halftime was seven three, and you were just like, "Okay, the Saints get better get something going," because eventually the Bears have to get something going. The Bears never got anything going, and the Saints scored to pull the game away, but that really changed the game. If Wims catches that pass, then the Saints start getting tight. If the defense holds on, if, if they go 7-7 at halftime, you're feeling real good about yourself. But they missed that chance. Trubisky's not the answer. This was his game to show that he could really show up for the Bears, that they that they should re-sign him. That maybe he really there's progress. He's making progress. But he could just not get anything going. I don't know if his head coach, 
not drawing up the right plays. But that offense as a whole just struggled. It was so hard to watch. Montgomery, 12 rushes for 20, uh, for 31 yards. Uh, he finished the season like, on a tear. And I, I guess you got to give the Saints defense a lot of credit, too. They have one of the best defenses in the league. So it's not all Bears. You got to give the Saints credit for showing up, for stopping them on both ends. But I really expected more from the Bears, either on the running game or Trubisky. I thought Trubisky might have a chance to do something. He had shown some flashes the last few games. Obviously, his opponents were not the Saints. The Saints defense is a whole different monster, and they showed up. So the Saints, they must be happy because Breeze was efficient. He didn't have an interception. Uh, They got Michael Thomas back. He got in the end zone, his first touchdown the whole season. Kamara looked good coming back from, uh, was it an injury or COVID? It was COVID. So Kamara looked good. He looked solid. He looked like Kamara. So now they have the Buccaneers up next. So that's going to be tough for the Saints because it's really hard to beat a team three times in one season. They beat them twice. They beat them handily both times. They took care of them. They especially took care of them at home. They embarrassed them on, I believe it was Sunday Night Football, that the Saints embarrassed the Bucks, And I know Brady was mad after that, and I know he wanted to get revenge. And now they meet in the playoffs. And that's probably the game I'm most excited about next next week. A lot of good games. Browns, Chiefs, the Ravens, Bills, Saints, Buccaneers. Uh, who's the other one? Bills versus Ravens. Um... Which game am I missing? Uh, Rams. Oh, Rams versus Packers. That's probably the least one just because of golf. But Saints versus Buccaneers. Breeze versus Brady. Like I said, two quarterbacks over 40 years old. I know Brady's coming for revenge. Are the Buccaneers going to show up this time? Very excited to see that one. But Bears versus Saints, for my for my take, the probably the worst game this, this uh, super wild card weekend. Still a decent game, but... If Wims catches that pass, I believe we have a better game. I believe it's more entertaining. I believe uh, the Bears' offense kind of opens up after that. But it didn't happen. He dropped it as the end of story. And the Saints move on. Bears go home. And I think they should move on from Trubisky. Uh, Question about his coach. is I believe he's going to keep his job. He saved his job the last month of the season. But definitely questions about Nagby's offense. Question about Trubisky. I think Montgomery is a real piece to build around. They have to make a decision on Allen Robinson. Are they going to resign them? How much money? Are they going to break the bank on him when there's no QB? Should they fix the QB first? What are they going to do? Bears have a lot of questions. Saints are moving on. Worst game, in my opinion, on Super Wildcard Weekend. And to finish Super Wildcard Weekend, Browns versus Steelers played on Sunday Night Football. The Browns beat the Steelers 48-37 to against all odds. Without their head coach, without their Pro Bowl left guard, without a lot of play, they were missing some key players. The Browns get it down. The Browns show up. The Browns shut up the Steelers. They shut up Juju. The Browns are still the Browns, but they're going on to the divisional round. What a game. The game started with the Steelers having the ball and Pouncey out of all all players. Pouncey, who's been an all-pro, who's been a Pro Bowler, Shoots the snap over Big Ben, who's 6'5". He's huge. So to go to throw it over his head, you really got to mess up. And then pounce, um, Big Ben and Connor can't 
fall on the ball on the one yard line to at least keep possession. They completely miss the wall, the ball. They whiff on it. It stumbles into the end zone, and the Browns go up 7-0. And after that, it was just mistake after mistake after mistake by the Steelers. Big Ben throws more couple picks, puts the Browns in good position. Baker Mayfield and that running game march down the field, and you blink. You literally blink, and it's 28-0 to end the first quarter. Browns tying a playoff record for most points in the first quarter. 28-0 to end the four, the first quarter, and you're like, wow, this game's over, this game's done. And it pretty much was, but the to give the Steelers a little bit of credit, they made it interesting. They kind of came back. Uh, they did. The game was 35-23 at one point, but that 28-point lead, that 28-point cushion that they gave them to start the game, it was just too much for the Steelers to overcome. But, I mean, the Browns kept fighting. The Browns definitely there was once that score was thirty five to twenty three, and the Steelers looked strong to start the the second half. There was that I know I was texting people. People were texting me. People were tweeting about it. Uh, they were like, "Are the Browns going to blow this? Are the Browns going to mess this up?" Like all their fans have been waiting since nineteen ninety four for a playoff win, I believe, and yeah, nineteen ninety four for a playoff win, and. If they're up 28-0 in the first quarter and they blow this, I know they're all going to be upset. Everyone got to check up on the Brown fans if they blow this. But to their credit, they didn't blow it. And I think uh, I think the Steelers helped them out. They had a fourth and one to start the fourth quarter when the score was 35-23 to at their own 46. They were on a 23-7 to run. The Browns hadn't done much on offense at the time. The Steelers were on firing on all cylinders. If they convert that fourth and one and they go down and score and they make the game 35 to 30, 30 31 to 35, if they go for two points, that puts all the pressure on the Browns. And they're they're thinking they're doubting themselves. They're thinking, oh my God, are we still the Browns? Are we really the Browns? They start second second doubting themselves, maybe. But you definitely put a lot of pressure on them. And Tomlin decides to punt on fourth and one. Ball goes into the end zone. Browns get, they don't get pinned. They get to get the ball to 25. Six plays later, the Browns score a touchdown. Take a 19-point lead. And the game was over at that point. Would you guys have gone for four on would you guys have gone for it on fourth and one? Or would you guys have punted? That's another question. Cause a lot of Tomlin's getting some backlash. People are saying, How can you punt? And all the analytics said to go for it. My personally, I was very upset when they went when they didn't go for it. I would have gone for it. Uh like I said, the offense looked like they were firing on all cylinders at that point. And they decided to punt the ball. To Thomas' credit, he did say that they had stopped the Browns the last two times they had the ball. So that was his reasoning behind it. They're like, all right, if we stopped them two times in a row, who's to say we don't stop them three times in a row? But it's fourth and one, man. I could see, I could kind of see it because they don't have a run game. They couldn't just give the ball to Connor. They they're one of the they're probably the worst running team in the NFL, I believe. So it was gonna have to be a throw and. Big Ben did have three or four interceptions at the time already. So maybe that's why you think your defense your defense is is what got you to 11, 12 wins in the season. So I kind of see where he comes from. But I, 
I would I would have gone for it on fourth and one. Hindsight is twenty twenty, but what would you have done? If you, were you guys watching the game? What were you guys saying during the game? Because myself personally, I was like, dude, you got to go for it on fourth and one. But the Browns, the Browns deserve a lot of credit because after the game, Baker Mayfield said he introduced himself to the left guard before the game. They had lost their left guard. They were playing their backup left guard. And I believe they had signed somebody to be the backup left guard for that game. Their new starting left guard, who used to be their backup, got hurt. So they had to go to their second backup, their third string left guard. And he played good. Uh, Baker Mayfield gave him credit. He said, to their offensive line credit, they had a great game. They kept them upright. So the Browns are the Browns, but they're going forward. Baker Mayfield deserves some credit. Uh, three quarterbacks from that draft class are all in the AFC Championship and the AFC Divisional Round. Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, and Baker Mayfield. And so that quarterback class is looking real solid right now. Uh, Sam Darnold, we'll see how he does. Uh, Josh Rosen, he's he's done. But that was that draft class, and we'll see how they do. But shout out to the Browns. You finally get that monkey off the back. You go on. You play the Chiefs. I give them a, a puncher's chance versus the Chiefs just because the Chiefs have not really beaten up on anybody this whole season. We'll see what, what Chiefs we get. We'll, we'll see if they turn it on or if they let teams linger. This Bears defense, this Browns defense could create turnovers. Baker Mayfield has played efficient football, and they have Kareem Hunt, and they have Nick Chubb. So they all, they'll, as long as they're in games and they're able to run Hunt and Chubb, they'll always have a chance. So... Very excited to see that game too. The divisional round of the NFL should be amazing. Uh, but that wraps it up for this episode of the Hard to Handle Sports Podcast. Uh, we touched on all the games from Super Wild Card Weekend. Which one was your favorite game? Let me know down below. Comment down below. Uh, email me. Let me know. What do you guys think about Doug Peterson getting fired? You think that was the right move by Philly? You think it was time to move on? Who should be the starting quarterback next season? Let me know all of that down below. Thank you so much for listening to the Hard to Handle Sports Podcast. Till next time, have a great rest of your day.